Well, Hoyt is, uh, Hoyt is gone this week, and I'm filling in for him, so uh, we're not in Colossians tonight. I, I thought, you know what, he's already, well, he said, he's like, you know, Brandon, I, I've already planned the notes and got it all ahead, and, and I, I, in his voice, I heard, like, he would be willing to give that to me, all those notes he prepared, so that I could just teach. But, I, you know, he did a lot of work, so I'll just let him have that, and we'll do something else. But we're going to be in Daniel, if you turn there, Daniel chapter 4. It's going to be quite the, uh, quite the story tonight. And what I chose to do tonight is, uh, is I'd like to, to focus in on uh, one of the names of God. I, I did this um, probably four years ago or so. Uh, I had a, a several, several um, Sunday nights where, I think it was through the summertime, where I actually had uh, a series in, going over the names of God. I don't, think any, I don't think any of that was recorded at all or it's not available, but it was quite fun for those who were there. Um, Tonight we're going to look at one of those names, and that name is El Elyon. It's Yahweh uh, or God Most High. So we're looking at that, that term tonight, God Most High, and we're going to see what that what that means and where that was presented and, and how what, what implications that might have for us. So uh, God Most High is what we're going to be looking at. We're in Daniel chapter four. Um, one of the things I want to just test you on is uh, this. This is kind of a lesson about learning things the hard way. Right, learning things the hard way. Anyone want to share maybe a story or or something they may have learned the hard way? Life, <laughs> life, life. Yeah, that's the answer. Life, right? Well, so, anyone want to want to? I mean, I know it's probably one of those things. Like you know, I don't want to share that story, you know. But I'd like to learn from that, so I don't have to learn it the hard way, right? We can learn from one another. Learn the hard way. But yes, that when we procrastinate, it doesn't work out so well, right? It causes extra stress or missed deadlines, right? Kind of a mess, maybe some irritability. Sure. I had to learn the hard way how to fish off the deck of a bass boat. Right? You get a bass boat, it's pretty stable, but they're flat and they're low, and you're not like down in the bottom, you're up on the, kind of the top. And, and uh, fishing from there is not a big deal until other boats zoom by with skiers on the back of them. Right, so you're fishing towards the shore, and one of those boats zooms by. You go, okay, you wave, and you don't really notice it until what, the wake starts coming in, right? And the waves start hitting. So I had to learn the hard way by getting out of the water after I fell in that the waves would toss me all about. So I had to develop some sea legs. No one told me. No one warned me about that. I didn't know, right? What else? Someone else, what did you learn the hard way? Or what are some lessons that we, what are some lessons that people learn the hard way? Maybe not you. Trusting the Lord, yeah. We fail to trust, and that doesn't go so well, and then reminded, oh, yeah, I, I should have trusted from the beginning, right? Yeah. Yeah, Dan. Okay. Is this big, your fish story? Okay. Wow. Right. Yeah. In the dark. Don't walk in areas, in waders in the dark, yeah, while you're fishing. Because it might be a beaver dam and you might not come back. All right. Good. Learn, learn in the hard way. Well, let's, let's look at this uh, in, in Daniel chapter 4. Um, I, I want to just kind of go over some themes of it, and then we're going to get kind of to our 
the name of God. And actually, I'm going to, I'll talk about the name of God so you can see some of these highlights through this. Uh, a proverb, Proverbs 16, 18, it says, Pride comes before destruction and a, and a haughty spirit or an arrogant spirit before the fall, right? So pride comes before destruction. A haughty spirit, arrogant spirit before the fall. And, and that, that's, that's so biblical, and it's, it's obviously biblical, but it's, it's so relevant to us to think through and to really take to heart. Say, you know, that's true in my life. If I become arrogant, uh, I have an arrogant spirit, if I become um, prideful about something, I'm certainly going to, to, to regret that. Um, my destruction may come. Uh, so, I, we, yeah, we got to be careful of that. I'll, I'll pray for us, and then we'll talk about this name a little more and go to Daniel. Lord, we, we thank you so much for letting us come together, God, to meet with you and God, to, uh, to meet with your people. God, to worship you and now to look to your word. And, and God, I just pray you'd help us to, to see you in a new light, God, or, or maybe a clearer light. Maybe we've seen you like this before, but God, we want to see you more clearly and we want to get to know you more, more uh, clearly and more, more deeply. So God, it may be a rich time of conversation tonight, of questions and answers, and God, just of study in your word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're looking at this word, um, El Elyon, it's God Most High, and, and when we talk about God most high, uh, we, we worship a God most high who, who is, is most high in power, he's most high in mercy, and he's most high in sovereignty. That's what we're going to be talking about. God is most high in, in power, in mercy, and in sovereignty. So as we look through the text tonight and then the supporting text, I want us to think about how we're seeing that. Where, where do we see that come up? Because that, that name is used in this text, God most high. I'm going to actually start in Daniel 4, uh, starting in verse 4. This is actually an autobiography. Uh, this is Nebuchadnezzar had written this, and, uh, and, and it's really interesting to see what he, what he says, what happened here. Verse 4, it says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I had a dream, and it frightened me. While in my bed, the images and visions in my mind alarmed me. So I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon to me in order that they might make the dream's interpretation known to me. When the magicians and the mediums and the Chaldeans and the diviners came in, I told them the dream, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. Finally, Daniel, named Belshazzar, after the name of my God, uh, and a spirit of the holy gods is in him, uh, he came before me. I told him the dream. Belshazzar, head of the magicians, because I know that you have the spirit of the holy gods and that no mystery puzzles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I saw and its, and its interpretation." In the visions of my mind, I was laying in bed, and I saw this. There was a tree in the middle of the earth, and it was very tall. The tree grew large and strong, and its top reached the sky, and it was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful. Its fruit was abundant, and on it was food for all. Wild animals found shelter under it. The birds of the sky lived in its branches, and, and every creature was fed from it. As I was lying in my bed, I also saw visions in my mind, a watcher a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called out loudly, cut down the tree and chop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump with its roots in the ground and with a band of, of uh, iron and bronze around it uh, in the tender grass of the field, let him be drenched with dew from the sky and share the plants of the earth with the wild animals. Let his mind be changed from that of a human and let him be given the mind of an animal for seven periods of time. This word is a decree by the or of the watchers, and the decision is by the command of the holy ones. So that this, I'm sorry, this is so that the living one, living will know that the Most High 
there's a word, is ruler over human kingdoms. He gives them to anyone he wants and sets the lowliest of people over them. This is the dream that I, Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because none of the wise men of my kingdoms can make the interpretation known to me. But you can, because you have the spirit of the holy gods. And let's stop there for a minute. Talk about this section. This section, it's titled Agitation. He's agitated. Why is, why is Nebuchadnezzar agitated? He's had a bad dream, right? It's kind of like Dan's dream, <laughs> fishing in the dark spots, right? It, it, it's, it's a bad dream. Well, what was, it, what was it? We don't know what it was about, right? What, what's it, why was that upsetting to him? Why is he agitated? Right, he didn't, he didn't understand it. Right, yeah, and, and what about, I think also you think he has these interpreters, these magicians, these people that are diviners that maybe can interpret this for him, and they can't, right? So, so how's he feeling? Not only is he scared or alarmed and agitated, but how's he feeling? What's that? Hopeless. And, and is a king supposed to feel hopeless? How should he be, how should he be feeling? How should a king feel? In control? In power? Right, having things all together, and if he doesn't, he has people to take care of that for him. Right, he. I think he's feeling a little bit nervous there. Right, and so I mean, we can place ourselves in that spot too. Um, but as we see this, we see that, that he's agitated about something. And but he he calls in Daniel Belshazzar, and he says, uh, "Interpret this for me." And I love I love this this statement in verse seventeen. The word is a decree of the watchers and a decision by the command of the holy ones. Uh, so it is that, every, that the living will know. So, that, so this has been here so that the living will know, you and I, the living people left behind, that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms. Now this is our word, right? Elion, God, that's, that's the name of God, that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms. He gives them to anyone he wants. He gives them what? What's them? He gives them Power, right? He, and he gives the kingdoms to anyone he wants. This, does that sound like pretty powerful? Yeah, you see how, how this God most high is powerful, right? He's most high and powerful. He's the one who can give kingdoms to anyone he wants and sets the lowliest of people over them. He says, oh, you're, you're the lowly one? Well, now you're going to be in charge. Oh, you're, you're the king? Oh, now you're going to be nothing. This is God most high. This is, this is a, a juxtaposition of all the kingdoms, of all the humans in the earth, and especially as you look at uh, yourself in the mirror, or Nebuchadnezzar looks at himself in the mirror and says, I thought I was most powerful. I thought I was in control. This has alarmed me. Uh-oh, what do I do next, right? He sets the lowliest people over and so he says, now interpret this for me. So let's look at the interpretation. Look at verses uh, 19 through 26 with me. Then Daniel, whose name is Belshazzar, was stunned for a moment. And his thoughts alarmed him. What, why? What, what do you think is going on here? He, he knew, but what did he know? He, he, he knew what the dream meant, but and what is, why was he alarmed then? It was not good news. He was, he, was about to, he was called in by the grace of the king to interpret a dream for the king. And now he's going to interpret that dream, and he's going to give him some pretty upsetting news. He thought he was agitated before. And now he's, and, and you're kind of like, uh, do I really want to share this stuff, right? But Daniel's been faithful, and he knows he should be faithful. Says, uh, the king said, Belshazzar, don't let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. And he answered, my lord, may the dream apply to those who hate you. He's like, maybe, maybe this is for somebody else. And its interpretation to your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, whose top reached the skies, was 
visible through the whole earth, and whose leaves were beautiful and fruitful, and fruit was abundant. And on it, the, on it was food for all. Under it, the wild, wild animals lived. In its branches, the birds of the sky lived. That tree is you, your majesty. For you have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown and even reaches the sky. And your dominion extends to the ends of the earth. The king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven uh, and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump with its roots on the ground with a band of iron and bronze around it in the tender grass of the field. Let it be drenched with dew from the sky and share the food with the wild animals for seven periods of time. This is the interpretation, your majesty. And this is the decree of the Most High that has issued that has been issued against uh, the Lord my King. So there he uses that word again. This is from the Lord Most High. So if you're, if you're Nebuchadnezzar, what, do you, what are you feeling? What are you thinking right now? You're what? Dread. Dread? Yeah. Wonder? Maybe you're thinking, wait a minute, I thought I was the king. I thought I was the Most High. Daniel's saying, this, is actually, this one's actually from the Most High, which means you're not the Most High. 25. You will be driven away from the people to live with the wild animals. You will feed on grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew from the sky for seven periods of time until you, until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms and He gives them to anyone He wants. As for the command to leave the tree stump with its roots, your kingdom will be restored to you as soon as you acknowledge that heaven rules. As soon as you acknowledge that heaven rules. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's, that's some pretty tough news to hear if you're the king. But if you're not full of yourself, you might think, oh man, I'm just going to do that now. You're, you're in charge, you're boss. What do you want me to do? Because I have a pretty nice cush position. But he had had it so well, he had, he had dreamt, him up, dreamt himself up as God. He's now the God of his own universe. He can control whatever he wants. This is not what he wants to hear. So we have this agitation, and then we have the interpretation of the dream. And then we have Daniel. One verse in verse 27. Exhort him or encourage him to do something. Look what he says. He says, therefore, my advice may seem good to you, my king. Or may may my advice seem good to you, my king. He's saying, please, please accept what I'm about to tell you. Please accept. I humbly ask that you would listen. Uh, He says, separate yourself from your sins by doing what is right from all your injustices by showing mercy to the needy. Perhaps there will be be an extension of your prosperity. So Daniel's given him the response. He said, this is what needs to happen. And again, this is um, Nebuchadnezzar writing this after the fact. And and I skipped verses one through three for a reason. We'll come back to that in a minute. But he's exhorted now to, to repent, to turn away from your own ego, your own self, your own sin, your own pride, uh, your mercilessness, right? And, and be, have mercy on people. He's saying, this is how you are to act. And this is what the Lord Most High calls you to. So what happened in verse 28? All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. And at the end of 12 months, as he, as he was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon, the king exclaimed, is this not Babylon the great that I have built to be a royal residence by my vast power and for my majestic glory. Isn't that, a, what's he doing? He's thinking about this, right? He, uh, 12 months have passed by, a year. And he's pondered it for that long. And he goes up on the roof and what does he do? 
brags. He says, this is, this is, look at, this is, I've created all this. This is mine. As far as the eye can see is mine. I've done this for my majesty, for my glory. Yes. <laughs> yeah, learning things the hard way, right? Verse 31. While the words were still in the king's mouth. I love that saying. It, it, I find that pretty humorous, right? It was, God's like, I, I want your heart. I want you to, and I want, you're going to expose your heart. You're going to repent or you're not. But uh, well, let's, let's get down to business. And finally he speaks and says, this is all mine and my glory. And as soon, he says, while the words were still in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared that the kingdom has departed from you. You will be driven away from people to live with the wild animals and you will feed on grass like cattle for seven periods of time until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over uh, human, human kingdoms and he gives them to anyone he wants. At that moment, the message against Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people. He ate grass like cattle and his body was drenched with dew from the sky until his hair grew uh, like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. There it is. Ouch. Learning things the hard way, right? You're messing with the wrong most high. This is God most high. What are some, so far as we've gone through this, what, what, are, some, what are some attributes we see here? What, what, are, we, what, what are we seeing happen? What, what, and, and how can we attribute some, some things to the most high? How, how have you seen, let's say this, his power? How have you seen the most high's power through this? What has he done? Okay. Sure. Right. Right. God hates pride, right? It's interesting you bring that up, that time he gave, right? We said that the most high God, when we worship the most high God, we worship him because of his most high power, his most high mercy, and his most high sovereignty, right? We see most high mercy for 12 months. He, he, still, he allows him to ponder. He allows it to chew and gnaw at his soul. Who knows what happens in that 12-month time? He allows that to, to continue. And then the power is there as soon as the words came out of his mouth. You're done. You're not going to go out. You're, you're going to lose your mind. You're going to go eat the grass. Your nails are going to grow weird. You're going to like feathers all over you. I mean, this is what was going to happen. That's the power of the Most High, right? He has power over the, over, over the seemingly Most High of the, of the world, Nebuchadnezzar. He's most, most higher than him. Okay, what about sovereignty? We talk, we've seen some mercy here. What about sovereignty? What, what is sovereignty? Can someone maybe define that in a phrase? hard, isn't it? Ben? Rosie, you have it? Ruler overall, yeah. That, that his way, his will is always going to be what's done, right? No one will thwart what he wants to happen. Uh, and I talked to, I preached on this maybe a couple years ago and I, in, in a sermon. I talked about there's a difference between God's sovereign will and his permissive will, right? There's a sovereign will of God, and nothing can thwart that. No one can ever change that, but there's also a permissive will of God, that, that God wills it for everyone to come to eternal life, but that's not going to happen, right? Oh, no, did, did God not get his way? No, in God's sovereign will, those who believed 
are going to be his, and he will lose none of those that are his. But in his permissive will, people reject Christ all the time, who are being drawn towards him. Okay, so there's a difference between sovereign and permissive. But in sovereign will, his, his sovereignty is my covenant love, my, my pursuit of people, my, my uh, establishment of kings and kingdoms, of thrones and rulers, it will always be exactly what I want it to be. We see, and it's, it's interesting, we see in Scripture even, right, that God, it's God who establishes kings and thrones, right? When we talk about presidencies in our, sta- in our, sta- our, our governorships or presidencies in our state or country, it, it's, God is not like in a, some, some other form the universe. He is orchestrating and planning all of that out, right? And ultimately, he's planning it out for his glory and for our good, not for the, that leader's glory, but for his glory. And so he's usurping in his sovereignty also. He usurps the authority and majesty and honor and glory of human beings, right, of you and I in his sovereignty. What else happens here? So he's now crawling around feathers and nails, right, eating grass. Let's look at verses 34 to 37. This is the restoration section of this, the restoration section. But at the end of those days... I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven, and my sanity returned to me. Then then I praised the Most High and honored and glorified Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and He does what He wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can block his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that time, my sanity returned to me and my majesty and splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and my nobles sought me out and I was reestablished over my kingdom and even more greatness came to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the king of the heavens. Because all his works are true and his ways are just, he is able to humble those who walk in pride. And back to verse 1. Up to verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to those of every people, nation, and language who live on the whole earth, may your prosperity increase. I am pleased to tell you about the miracles and wonders the Most High God has done for me. How great are His miracles and how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom and His dominion is from generation to generation. And that's the first part of the story, right? He wants to open with that and say, listen, let me tell you all about what happened. Let me tell you all about how how I started to praise the God Most High. But this is the Most High God, El Elyon. Now, in this last section of restoration, what do we see? How do we see God's sovereignty as most high? How do we see God's mercy as most high? And how do we see God's power as most high? What are some things we see here? What happened when he looked up to heaven? What returned to him? His mind returned to him. And how, how did that occur? God most high. The power of God most high. His, his mind returned to him. What happened next? Then I praised the most, the most High God, right, and honored and glorified Him who lives forever, right? Again, there's this 
powerful, right? Sovereign God right there. His dominion is everlasting. His kingdom is from generation to generation. Like he, this, this power and majesty, I'd say even the eternality of God most high. He doesn't have a beginning, he doesn't have an end. That's in his power and his splendor and his sovereignty. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does what he wants with the army of heaven and all the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can block his hand. That's in God's what? His what? Sovereignty. His sovereign power. He does what he pleases. He is God. He says again, at that time, my sanity returned to me. God's power and my, and my majesty and splendor returned to me for, the, for, my, uh, for me and the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I, I was reestablished over my kingdom and even more greatness came to me. Well, yeah, it kind of almost sounds like, are you bragging again? And we got to be careful there, right? But what is, he, what is he trying to tell people? You go on, it says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, all this greatness came to me. He says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, what? I praise, exalt, and glorify the king of heavens because all his works are true and his ways are just. He's able to humble those who walk in pride. What, what is he telling us? So is he bragging? What is he saying? I've been humbled. I've been humbled. And, and what did El Elyon do for me? What is, what is this showing of him? What Mercy. So much mercy. Great mercy, right? He is a God of great mercy. There's no mercy that can extend even further. You look at a guy like Nebuchadnezzar who needed to be humbled. No one on the face of the earth would say, oh, just let, it, let him go. They probably made a spectacle out of him. Look at Nebuchadnezzar. Look at him. They didn't, maybe they didn't even learn their lesson, but they, they thought he got what he deserved. He needed to be there. But God is merciful. He's great in mercy. And, and, and that's, that's, his, that's part of his most high attribute. We worship him in his most high mercy. What does that mean? He has the highest of all the mercies. He has the, the largest ability, the biggest ability to, to give the greatest mercy. No mercy could be extended from you or I that would be even in comparison. It would only be an example or a glimmer of what he has, has and what he's capable to, to give us. He says, I praise and exalt and glorify the King of heavens because all his works are true and his ways are just. I think that's mercy too. That shows his mercy. He is just. He is merciful. And, and, and even for you and I, as we look to Jesus, how was that justice carried out? How was the justice of God carried out? Jesus died for our sins. The justice of God was carried out mercifully on us as he brutally let Jesus take the wrath of God. Right, that mercy to us. No one else has ever died for you. And if they did, no one else ever raised from the dead for you. And when, if someone else died for you, they weren't dying uh, for your sin. They were trying to rescue you from, from death. Jesus took the punishment that we deserve. God is just. And, and, and I love, I love this, this juxtaposition. When you see this justice of God, you, you understand how, how depraved we are, right? How sinful we are. What was the call? What was the call from Daniel? to Nebuchadnezzar in verse 27. What's his advice? Separate yourself from your sins by doing what is right and from your injustices by showing mercy to the needy, right? Like humble your heart, change your heart. You, you are a sinner. Perhaps there will be an extension to your prosperity. See, for you and I to recognize our sinfulness, right, and our pride and our ego and to say, you know what, I, 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 no, there's nothing I can do there's no mercy that even the government or a friend could extend to me that would be enough to cover my sin. Only 
El Elyon, right? The most high God with the most high mercy is able to cover that because Jesus took it for us. What else do we see here? He's able to humble those who walk in pride. And this is verse 1. Let's look at verse 1 again. King Nebuchadnezzar, to those of every people, nation, and language who live on the whole earth. What is that? That, That's everyone. Who is this message for? It's for everyone. What does that display from El Elyon, from God Most High? His sovereignty over the whole universe, over all all of us, all of humanity, but also that his what? His Most High mercy is good for what? Everyone, right? His most high mercy is to extend. To he, he didn't say, well, I'm, I'm just going to like this people group. Or I'm just going to like these people with this attitude. He said, I will, I will make for myself my own nation, but they will be from every tribe and tongue and nation on the earth. I will, I will have a chosen race, a royal priesthood. I will, I will have a people from my own possession, but they will come out of anywhere and everywhere on the earth because my mercy extends that far. He, he, he tells us, Nebuchadnezzar, may your prosperity increase. I'm pleased to tell you about the miracles and wonders the Most High God has done for me. He says, how great are his miracles, how mighty his wonders, right? There's God's power again. His eternal, or his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. There's sovereignty and his dominion is from generation to generation. Again, there's God's sovereignty. There's none bigger, right? There's none, no, no one with a sovereignty more vast, with a mercy so deep or power so immense than the Most High God. Some thoughts on that. Get, get, what are some questions there so far? Maybe some thoughts that we could chat about. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was before this, yeah, in chapter 3. Yeah, the, yeah. Or, and, and he may have given tribute to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and said, we're going to worship him. But, but it's very, how, why was it hard for him to worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Why do you think it was hard for him? What's that? He already had his own God. Right. Yes. Right. Right. They add to it. And, and certainly in Babylon with, with Nebuchadnezzar, it was a very pluralistic religion. They worshiped all kinds of gods, right? And this one statue, this gold statue, was to, was to be a, a tribute to all the gods. So you bow down to it and you give reverence to all, any and all the gods. So everyone should be able to do that. Well, not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are to worship the one true God. Not all the other gods, too, the one true God, right? So, so of course, he, he, he bent his knee and said, okay, we're going to now worship your, your God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But was he my God yet, right? Not quite. Not quite, right? So you have, you have Nebuchadnezzar there. As he looked at his greatness, what did he attribute his greatness from? To himself, right? I made this. I did this. I'm this great. And even, 
and think about how he lost sight. You know, you have, you have, your, you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a fiery furnace, and now you're moving into this new realm, a new, new time, and, and what's happened there? How, why did he lose sight? Why do you and I lose sight of God as the Most High God? Yeah, we get distracted with earthly things, right? What else, though? Selfishness, absolutely. Pride or, or our own ego, I think pleasure and desire. I think esteem, right? And, and the idea of pride and selfishness, ego, all that goes together, right? I, I just want to bolster myself up, and I want, I want to create my own little kingdom or big kingdom. A kingdom I can control, right? People that I can control, circumstances I can control, and if I don't, if I can't, I can, I can control them eventually or change them. I, I, that's what we want. We want, we want to be God, and and that goes back to where. Adam and Eve, right in the Garden of Eden. Satan tempts and says, "Did God really say that you shouldn't?" Did, 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 he he says, "God must be a liar. He he just doesn't want you to be like him." And Eve's like, I, I think I want to be like him. And Adam partook as well. And they, their eyes were open that they were now sinful and separated from God. And that God was really the most high God and they were dead meat. They're, then they're banished from heaven or banished from the garden, right? His presence. I think when we're outside of God's presence too, it's, it's, it's easier for us to have an ego. It's easier, easier for us to forget. Because what happened out of, out of Adam and Eve when they were out of the Garden of Eden? Civilizations began to grow, humanity began to grow, and then what happened? Did, did worship of God prevail? Wickedness prevailed, and then what'd you have? A flood, a worldwide flood. God saw the, the people he'd made, and he was sad that he made them. Wickedness abounded. Selfishness ab- abounds. We, we, we tend to make ourselves the most high God, and we forget he, he's sovereign. It, it's, it, and it's so important for us to grab onto the truth of that, that the most high is the most sovereign. Why? Why is that important to grab onto the promise of that? Why is that a promise even? Why is that a truth and a promise we can hold on to and be encouraged by? That's right. When we go through tough times, even maybe a fiery furnace, we have to know that he is there walking with us. That he hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't left us. He knows exactly where we are and exactly what's going on. He hasn't taken his hand off the wheel. Someone else may have swerved and tried to interrupt what was going on, but God is still in the business of redemption. And God has not lost sight of us. God sees us exactly where we are. That's a promise of sovereignty. There's all kinds of pain, all kinds of hurt, all kinds of mistakes and hurts and hang-ups and habits that, that we'll get ourselves and find ourselves in. But God is a sovereign God over that, and we can trust in Him. We can rely on Him. We must rely on Him, or else we will learn some hard mistakes, right? Some tough lessons. We may have control. Yeah, we may have control for a while. Yep. Oh, yeah. Go further than that, though. You think he, he let him have that year, right? And we said that was mercy. 
You see, God, God gives us things and allows things to happen in our life as a means of grace for us. Uh, Jeremy, you and I are talking about this the other day, right? Think about the idea of this. When and how are precious metals purified? In the fire. In the fire. Do you and I honestly think that we won't go through the fire if God is wanting us to be more purified? Not at all, right? So will God allow that as a means of grace and mercy in our lives? Absolutely. God has not promised to say, I'm your God, it's going to be great, and it's going to be cupcakes and rainbows from now on. Just, just wait. That's, that's called heaven, right? But in this life, before we get there, there's going to be a lot of refining going on of this precious metal. And the wood, hay, and straw will be burned away, and what is left will be precious. So we, we lean in to that, trusting in his sovereignty and trusting in his great mercy and, and embracing that as a great mercy, right? So how do we then trust in the promise and, and believe in the promise of God as most high, given his mercy. How, how, do we, how do we hold that truth in our lives? How do we apply that truth to our lives? That the God most high is a God with most high mercy. How does that, where does it apply for you and I? What's that? We, can, we, have, we have to have mercy ourselves and other people. I'm going to read a couple of verses about that in a minute. Right? We want to extend mercy. But what about just for me? How, do, how does that relate for me? Here's what I would think. It could be worse. I could be walking through this alone. But God in his mercy says, you know what? I'm going to be right there with you. It might burn a little bit. You might get a little singed, but I'm going to be right there with you. And this season will end. And you'll look back and say, Wow, look at God's mercy. Right? God's mercy is saying, I'm there. I, I may allow it. I may not allow it. But in my mercy, I will always be there. And, and I, I love this, and I think I shared this briefly maybe here. I don't know. I had listened to that Tim, Tim Keller sermon about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What can we learn from that fiery furnace? Is that no fiery furnace that we face, no fire that we walk into is as bad or as hot as the one that Jesus did for us. And no fiery furnace that we walk into will we ever have to walk it alone. He'll always be there for us, right? So we see his great sovereignty and we see his great mercy. And then what about his great power? What does that mean for you and I, his great power? How do we, how do we see that played out today? He can do anything in our lives. Yeah, he lets us begin again. Yeah, that's grace. Well, think about power too. When David called upon the power of God, what, did he, what was he asking God to do? David in the Psalms was often what? Running away from enemy, right? And what, so what, was he, what did he ask God to be? A protector, a refuge, a shield. That, that's what we talk about when we talk about God most high as powerful. His most high power says he can be our refuge. And I, I, think, I think about what, what, is, what is God intending to guard for us? Did, did David survive actual physical death? Yes. 
right? Was he actually physically protected by God from times where he should have probably died? Probably. Did God do that for us? Probably, maybe. Maybe I didn't get in that car accident because my, t- my tire, my, I said slow. What, you know, those times you're like, oh, wow, maybe I, you wonder, maybe. But more importantly, in the power of the Most High, what do you think God wants to guard? Our souls. Our souls, right? That, that the Most High God has the ability to guard and keep our souls. And he will not lose one of those who have come to him in faith. That we will make it safely home. But in this life, that gives us hope, right? And, and joy. And the other thing, though, in this life, he's able to do. And we see it in Philippians, right? Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And when we pray about everything, we're entrusting ourselves to God Most High because the God Most High will what? Guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That, that is what needs to be protected in every fiery trial, right? Because this is where the, the battle is fought, isn't it? This is where Satan gets in and starts to mess with you. And the heart and your affections and your emotions and your feelings. And God's like, no, no, let me guard that. I'm the perfect one to guard your heart and your mind. He's God most high. He has the most power to do that. There's no other, there's no one else. See, I had a, I had a great meeting today with a young man, a discipleship time where we talked about this. We talked about how he is, he is a potential future father or a future husband needs to be about the business of guarding and protecting and shepherding his, his wife's heart and his kids' hearts, right? That's what we ought to do as men. But listen, there is not one human being, even if they're as godly as can be, there's not one human being that can guard your heart and mind the way that God Most High can and the way that God Most High does. And that's who we ought to be trusting all the way. I want to read, I know we're out of time, it looks like I don't know what time we get done, but I'm going to give you a few verses here um, that, that have to do with this, and I think are very, very important to our, to our study today. And Psalms, and you can just listen, and I'll have, the, have them for later if you want, but Psalm 57, this shows the power, right? Be gracious to me, God, be gracious to me, for I take refuge in you, right? The prayer is, even the song we sang earlier, Lord, I need you, right? I take refuge in you. I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. Psalm 57, one through three. He says, I call to God most high. There's our, our term, El Elyon. I call to God most high, to God who fulfills his purposes for me. There's his sovereignty, right? God fulfilling his purposes for me. I call out to him, God fulfill your purposes for me. He reaches down from heaven and he saves me, challenging the one who tramples me. Then there's our, our, our word Selah, right? That means think about that. Let that sink in. That God's the guard. God's the protector. God in his power and his sovereignty. And then it says, God sends his faithful love and truth. So, so what was the response from God? I need you to guard me, God. And what does God do? I send my, he sends his faithful love and his truth to our heart. Right? There's God's, there's God's mercy in that. Psalm 92, 1 through 5. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, Most High. Right? We're exalting the Most High, not ourselves, Most High. Why? Let's see why. It says to declare your faithful love in the morning and your faithfulness at night with, with a ten-string harp and a music of the lyre. Four. In verse 4, it says, because. Here's, here's why we're to sing to you. Because you've made me rejoice. Where did that come from? The mercy of God, right? The power of God guarding our heart. Because of what you've done, I'll shout for joy because of the works of your hands, the power, right? The works of your hands. How magnificent are your works, Lord? How profound your thoughts. 
His thoughts, his sovereign thoughts. What does Isaiah say about his thoughts? God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. For as high as heaven is above the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. There's again the thoughts, the sovereign thoughts of the most high God. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And then we see this Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 2, 8 through 11. Talks about people, their land is full of worthless idols. They worship the work of their hands and what their fingers have made. So humanity then is brought low and each person is humbled. Do not forgive them, it says. Go to the rocks and hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord from, uh, and from his majestic splendor. The pride of mankind will be humbled and human loftiness will be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. He's a jealous God, isn't he? He's a God that says, no, I'm, I'm most high. You're not most high. You will be humbled in my sovereignty, in, in my mercy, and in my power. You will be humbled and I will be exalted. And the only way for God to be exalted as most high is for us to be humbled. Do you understand that? And that humility has to go to a place of God, you're God. I can be a child of the most high. In fact, we see that um, later on in Luke. This is now, we said, so I had Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, and I had Isaiah 2, 8 through 11. And then in Luke, Jesus teaching, he says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that of yours, right? Even sinners uh, love those who love them. If, if you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. But nice people are nice to nice people, right? Or, or people are nice to people who are nice, right? It's nice to be nice. But if you lend, and if you lend uh, to those from whom you expect it to receive, what credit is that for you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. This goes back to mercy, the mercy of God that we can make an example of and show a glimpse of the most high mercy. Love your enemies. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the most high. We, that's an amazing position to be a child of the Most High. For He is gracious to the ungrateful and to the evil. Be merciful as your Father is also merciful. God is merciful, right? And it's not, it doesn't mean we're going to be walked all over and abused, but certainly there are times that I, I know what I've given will never be repaid. Right? That's why we hold on to things in this life, life loosely, not tightly, because tightly means they're an idol. Loosely means they can be a, a ministry tool to love and show mercy and grace. Finally, Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at many different times in different ways. God's mercy there, speaking to, speaking to his people still through prophets. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Mercy grew here, didn't it? God has appointed him, that is Jesus, uh, the heir of all things and made the universe through him power. God most high's power. He made the universe through Jesus. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature. This is God in flesh. And He's sustaining all things by His wonderful and powerful Word. God Most High. After making purification for sins, dying as an atonement, right? Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. You know what that is? That's God's sovereignty. Jesus making an atonement for our sins was God's sovereign, God Most High's sovereign plan from before the foundations of the world. And God accomplished that in, in a merciful, 
powerful, sovereign way for you and I. For what purpose? I think we can go back to verse 1 of Daniel. First, well, Daniel chapter 4. Verse 3. How great are His miracles. How mighty His wonders. His, his kingdom is eternal. His dominion is from generation to generation. That, that we would know that. That we would believe that. That we would trust in that. That's God Most High. El Elyon. All right? Any questions about that? We'll, we'll have a Q&A in just a minute, but any further questions about that or thoughts about that? God Most High. Most High in power. Most High in mercy, most high in sovereignty over us. Well, join me in prayer and then we'll have a Q&A. Father, we, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your sovereignty and your mercy that is higher than anything we could ever experience or imagine. God, you are God and we are not. May we humble ourselves and trust you. Trust in your sovereign ability to walk with us. To know what's going on in, the, in our lives, God, to be there for every step of it. God, that your mercy would abound in us and to us, God, as a, a means of grace that, God, we would even struggle and suffer. Experience the fire to be refined. That you give us time to grow, to repent, to turn to you. We thank you for your mercy. And God, for your power that you... You are a protector. You are a guard, a shield. And God, that we, we are safe and secure as you guard our heart and our minds through Christ Jesus. We trust you with that. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.